Welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined again by Tom. Hello. And by Stu again. Hello. There's three of us again. Yay. Less awkward silences between me and Tom. Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've had testing. Testing has happened all, well, not quite eight days, more like yeah. six and a half after we had the snowstorm. Yeah. Um, but we're in that fun post-testing period where we can try and make sense of all of the data just with the caveat over the top that nothing can ever really be read from testing because it's testing um but we will attempt to go through everything and make some sense of it um i think it's easiest to just go team by team and talk about their fortunes um let's i thought for ease of uh for an order we'd go from slowest to fastest uh, across the eight days of testing even though that doesn't necessarily mean that's the order that they're going to be in, but there we go. Um, so starting at the bottom of the pile is Williams, unfortunately. Um, F1 actually released an interesting table of uh, improvement in times for each team between 2017 and 2018 testing, and Williams were bottom of that pile. They only went two-tenths faster than they did this time last year, Ooh. which is not a lot. That is um, not, that's not a lot. Why is that, do you think? It is worth noting that their fastest time was on softs, um, whereas everyone else pretty much was on hypers, ultras, or supers. Um, they also traditionally just don't go for fast times in testing, at least in recent years. Um, they tend to be a little bit more conservative in testing, I think. Um, then, of course, there's always the fact that they've got two very young drivers, one rookie and one in his second season. Although yeah. they did give uh, Kubica quite a lot of running, um, it seemed like his feedback on the car was a lot more valuable to them than uh, Sorokin or uh, Stroll. Uh, Kubica did voluntarily give up the last day um, to let the two race drivers have some time in the car. How um, nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> kind of also sounds like, like, all right, I've, I've seen all I need to see of this thing, we'll let the race drivers have a go. Yeah, it? yeah. That's not. That's a bit worrying, that, isn't it? It's. I. It's all a little concerning for Williams, to be honest. Given that they are running the fastest engine out there, for them to be bottom of the pile is a little concerning. I wonder if they're they're hiding something, because that looks like a. I, I thought it looked like a fast car. It's the sort. It looks like it's got a lot of the bits from the Mercedes and from the Ferrari on it. Yeah. Um. They and were. Try find the speed traps. I don't See, have your hand actually. As much as it has some nice parts on it, it doesn't feel like it's evolved. It, to me, it doesn't look like it's evolved enough as much as what the others have. So, as an example, we we were talking about the um, the Haas at one point, saying that is basically last year's Ferrari. They've just bought last year's Ferrari, <laughs> and you can tell that. In, but we'll get to them. But that's what I mean. That that car's evolved, and the, you know there's. The new arrow on it, but then the Ferrari itself has evolved away from that as well. So I just don't know if enough has changed on the Williams. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to be the first to say this, and 
it is only I think it is only testing and you know what they're like they always add ballast they always run I think Williams have got a quick car and they're hiding it I think they've filled it brimmed it every single time and that the fact that they've only run it on softs and not even put laps in on the hyper softs well that's the thing it's if you if you take like a second off their time it would put them in fifth place only behind Ferrari, McLaren, Red Bull and Renault. So the tyres definitely play a part, I think. Um, I certainly hope it's that. I would like to see them down the back. Yeah. My my biggest concern is their driver lineup because they're not going to win... They're not going to do as well in the championship with, with two kids in the car. Yeah. You wonder how much of keeping Kabika around is... A plan B. Yeah, I think so. Like, if things are going really badly, they can just draft him in. Because, like, he was very much on pace for most of testing. Um, mm. In fact, was he faster? He was in between. He was slower than Sorokin, faster than Stroll throughout the yeah. testing again. He's across different days and different tyres and stuff. But he was very he, much on pace with the two race drivers. He was on one compound softer tyre. Then both yeah. the two uh, yeah. younger drivers, well, both two race drivers. Strange to Which call them. They always feel like junior drivers, but they're race drivers. Isn't like the Williams junior driver older than yeah, the two race um, drivers? Yeah, it's Ollie Rowland. He is Ollie Rowland. significantly older than both of their race drivers. <laughs> it's so despite being funny. their young driver. Yeah. Is he, is he classified <laughs> as a young driver or a junior? Yep. <clears throat> Official young driver. Because that is probably, if anything, to do with the young driver tests at the end of the year. Probably, yeah. Which does too, despite being young enough, will um, have competed in too many races to be eligible. So he's... well, they're no longer young drivers, are they? They're race drivers now. So on if well, yeah, well, sense. so Sorokin will be by the time he's raced three races by by the rules of that test. Anyway, yeah, you have to have done less than three races. Um, and be under, I I want to say he's 25, but I could be wrong. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Move on to Alfa Romeo Sauber, um, which definitely seems to have shown some improvement on the last few years, which you'd expect now they're running the current spec Ferrari engines and not a year old as they have been for a while now. Still seem to be quite down on pace but the general consensus from the paddock seems to be that they have much more complex aero than they've had for a while now and they may well still be getting to grips with all of that it definitely was covered in yellow flow of his paint more than most other cars from what i saw yeah um but yeah not nothing spectacular from them uh not help that leclerc spun it and put it in the wall on the last day which lost them like five hours of running which was when all the other teams were putting in some of their fastest laps he was quicker than Ericsson, though. He was quicker than Ericsson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our pal Marcus Ericsson. Um, I I would still expect to see them down the back, to be honest, but I think it's going to be interesting between sort of them and Toro Rosso. I mean, you'd, you'd think as a Ferrari B team, they're never, ever going to beat Ferrari because that's not how Ferrari roll, is it? Of course, no. You know they're never going to have um, the resource put in place to allow them to beat the, the 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 sort of daddy team, if you like. Yeah, and as as far as I'm aware, it's only 
engines they get from Ferrari may be gearboxes, unlike Haas, which we'll get to a bit later on. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, Force India were next. Um, pretty anonymous across the test, really. They just weren't particularly quick, didn't do all that much. Um, certainly not showing the sort of pace that gets you fourth place in the Constructors' Championship for the last two seasons. Mm. Um, they do tend to start seasons slowly. I mean, the last couple of years, they've basically started the season with a B-spec of the previous year's car, um, which doesn't seem to be the case this year, but just quite unremarkable all in all from Force India. Yeah. Yeah, they've been really anonymous. There's not yeah. been any... any. There's not even really been any news about them. They've done so little no. during testing it's strange like they were last to reveal their car as well and uh, you, you guys have spoke about livery I'm, i don't really rate their livery very much I'm no it's, it was it. not that it really matters but i think it was like last but one on the list we did maybe even last yeah um, um but yeah they were like pretty low down on the distance covered pretty low down on times low down on the improvements from last year they've got two really good drivers though is the yeah thing. And I feel like if they don't have a quick car this year, they won't have those two yeah. very good drivers for next year. No, definitely not. Um, but they've got two drivers to sort of in the race. They will, I think, they will move up through the field. If they don't have a, if they don't necessarily have the best qualifying car. They will have. They've got two really good race drivers, and they might have a really good race car. I think. Yeah, I think last year their drivers very much made a good car look very good on a lot of occasions. Yes, yeah, I think so. I'm guessing they're probably another in the same sort of boat as Williams, where we've not really seen much from them yet, based on it's, what they can do. Do you know what I find interesting about sort of we talk about the the improvement or lack of it for Williams? We talk about the mediocrity of Force India. Although they were quick at times, you and they will be sandbagging. You look at the Mercedes work team being down there on a low gain. There's clear to me that would say that there's not a huge amount coming out of that Mercedes engine now. Because all three Mercedes runners have made the least gains. Yeah, it's true. So, so it's they must be returns, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it comes back to that. But mm. when you look at it in that respect, yes, fair enough. There's probably some sandbagging going on, especially by the works Mercedes team. But it means that I think those three teams are relying a lot more on aero improvements for this season, whereas maybe these other teams are, are catching up in a in an engine. Um, scenario. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, a very sensible conclusion. Tom. I like it. <laughs> you say that like I never have sensible conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> then seventh fastest, somewhat surprisingly, was Mercedes. Um, again, sort of low down on the improvements for probably the reason you just said. Um, Bottas actually said after the test that their one lap pace is unknown because they just didn't feel like they needed to discover what their one lap pace was during <laughs> testing, which I find yeah. hard to believe. Yeah, nothing like slapping your uh, your tools out on the table, is there? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like they're just going to rock up to uh, Melbourne, stick it into qualifying mode, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's basically it's the Formula One equivalent of saying, "Ah, oh, we're just going to walk it this year." Yeah, <laughs> it'll be alright on the night. Um, they didn't do any running on the Hypersoft for the entire test. They did the vast majority of their running on the medium tyres. Um, everyone sort of digging into the times said their race simulation pace was very, very impressive, though. Um, which, I mean, they're probably still going to go into the season of favourites, I think. 
Um, it looked bulletproof again. They did most laps of anyone, um, only 56 less than last year's testing, despite losing a day and a half of testing to snow and rain. Uh, equates to roughly wow. three quarters of a season's worth of mileage in eight days, which is... Wow, <clears throat> that's insane. Yeah. They do build reliable cars. Um, They're a team that l- doesn't like to break down. Very much so. <laughs> um, yeah. They probably can't afford the tables that Toto sticks his fist through every time something goes wrong. <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah. So that's a third yeah. of the Mercedes budget, isn't it? Um, yeah, not sure I'll say about Mercedes, really, other than they're probably much, much, much quicker than they looked, at least in terms of one-lap pace. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, I would say still favourites. Yeah, you, I mean, you'd be so shocked if they showed up yeah. at Australia and finished up ninth or where where are they sort of like eighth ninth sort of territory yeah that's just yeah that's not realistic is it they're gonna absolutely smash it when they get to australia yep. and and the other thing is it's all right somebody coming out and saying no we didn't really test one lap pace but there are ways of sandbagging through ballast and fuel oh yeah and they stuff know it's, you know that they'll they'll know where that whereabouts they are once those ballasts and then yeah hindrances are removed from the car come or sticking in a fast couple of sectors and then pissing before you complete the lap yeah exactly yeah exactly classic yep um next up was red bull toro rosso honda as we have to call them now um <laughs> they did the third most laps of anyone which considering honda's performance the last few years is kind of incredible you sort of have to take your hats off to honda to basically doing a year's worth of development in a few months. Um, they only had one issue across all eight days, which was a anomaly in the data, which is something that we definitely heard an awful lot coming from McLaren for the previous <laughs> few years. Um, they actually said they've revised their ambitions for Melbourne after doing much better in testing than they expected, which to me sounds like the engine didn't blow up nearly as much as they thought it would. <laughs> Um, and they've basically said they're aiming for points from race one now. Um, Good on them. And it's a it's a like fairly quick looking car. It does. It looks. It, I find this fascinating. Yeah, absolutely fascinating that Honda have suddenly found all this reliability. I, it, I mean, to me, I, I, we're, we're going to talk about McLaren, but it's worth mentioning it now. I think the the fact that. Toro Rosso, the fact that they had this level of reliability with Toro Rosso and so little reliability with McLaren says to me that McLaren were pushing too hard on the cooling side. It kind of makes you wonder how many of these issues were down to McLaren, doesn't it? We've we've had a lot of conversations through testing that unfortunately the Liz aren't privy to, but (laughs) it's been (laughs) so much about how, you know, the rear end of that McLaren is not only tightly packed but it's you know it's covered all the way down um it's yeah. similar to the Red Bull but you know Red Bulls do blow up Renaults occasionally um and it looked like McLaren yeah. were potentially blowing up Renaults as well or had potential to and suddenly put it in a a car where the developers are being a little less restrictive of engine confinement and it suddenly starts working so how yeah. much of the problem is actually McLaren, <laughs> or was McLaren? It does make you wonder. It does. It does. Does make. It really does make you wonder. And just the fact that Toro Rosso are, are going to be so much more open to doing what Honda say, 
yeah. I think is part of it as well. Like you, you get the sense that McLaren were quite sort of rigid in in what they wanted to do with the car and the way they wanted the car sure. to be. Yeah, more of a where, this whereas, is the space that your engine will fit into, rather than building a car around yeah, the yeah. engine. Yeah, exactly. Which is seems to be what they're doing now with Renault as well. But we'll get yep. to that. Uh, next fifth fastest were Haas, who were suspiciously fast. Um, <laughs> their fastest time was on super softs, which was faster than a lot of other teams managed on hyper and ultra softs. Um, I think it was um, actually who did their fastest lap? Magnussen, uh, Magnussen was their quickest. Was their fastest lap, yeah. and he was only one point two seconds off Ferrari on tires that are generally around a second slower, which is some real pace. And both drivers did times in that sort of ballpark. Um, their team boss Gunter Steiner said it was down to getting the tires to work, which. You don't need to know much about F1 to know that just getting the tyres to work doesn't deliver that sort of performance <laughs> increase. Yeah, um, yeah. All last season, then, they weren't yeah. getting the tyres to work, and now they finally are. Is that what you're telling me? Apparently. <laughs> Gunther. <laughs> and, um, and the brakes. <laughs> yeah, and the brakes. <laughs> yeah, the brakes. Um, so as we sort of alluded to before, Haas have got this agreement with Ferrari that they potentially buy as much of their car as the rules allow from them um, which is everything basically except the monocoque and uh, aerodynamic surfaces um apparently over the last couple of years a lot of people have been suspicious that they may have been pushing the boundaries of that deal um i think the last couple of years people like raised some suspicions and then as soon as has started being slower they sort of stopped paying attention and now has are fast again people are airing these suspicions once again well, like compare Haas's fastest time from this year to Ferrari's fastest time of last year there's about three tenths in it and yeah. I'd happily attribute that to um, engine improvements or Ferrari sandbagging towards the end of testing last year mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's um, it, to what, me like, it physically though it even looks like last year's Ferrari you know if, it does if you just dropped a bucket of red paint on top of that it would look like last year's Ferrari I think. <laughs> <clears throat> um yeah I read uh one thing about it an anonymous source from another team said that like they looked into the numbers and it looked like genuine fourth fastest fourth or fifth fastest time which is Wow. Yeah, I I think I'll believe that when I see it come Melbourne, to be honest. But they definitely, whatever's going on, they definitely seem to have made some pretty big improvements across the board with that house. Yeah. I'm looking at it now, and that really, really, really does look like last year's Ferrari. Yeah, thank you, Stu. Is it either, have you seen the side pods? Well, there's quite yeah, a it's... few adopted that, though, this year. But the, but with the house, it does literally <laughs> just look like last year's Ferrari. Like, they've gone to the shop and yeah. said, excuse me, can we buy that car? <laughs> and then walked away with it. I mean, then again, I mean, Mercedes said, like, there was that really interesting comparison video between last year's and this year's car, where they said, like, this year's car would run rings around last year's car, which was at the time the fastest. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to wonder if you put last year's Ferrari in this test where it would land in the pecking order, but even so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out, we'll find has, out in Australia well, I guess so yeah <laughs> <laughs> God, it really does look just like it yeah we'll wait um, and see um, 
Next, fourth fastest was Renault, um, who have seemed to have shown a lot of improvements in the engine department in that they didn't have anything like the uh, reliability issues they had in the back half of last season. Um, despite that, they did say they've sort of intentionally given themselves headaches in the cooling department in pursuit of aero performance, and it is a really tightly packaged car, that Renault. Um, yeah, seems to be a, yet another step forward, as they have done over the last few seasons since they've existed as Renault again. Yeah. I mean, if you want to give yourself cooling headaches, one thing you can do is point the exhaust at the rear wing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Was it also then that had the weird wing underneath the halo? Or was that Toro Rosso? Toro Rosso had a little wing. That underneath was Toro Rosso. The halo, yeah. Which looked like yeah. it was designed to deflect. Sort of. Well, I don't know. Clean up really the air that the central column um, will make a mess of. Yeah. Oh no! It was Renault had the. The even smaller wing on top of the um, the sort of light and the crash structure right at the back of the car. They had this tiny, like, two-inch wide baby oh, yeah. wing stuck on the yes. back of it. Yeah. Um, is it, the aerodynamic developments this year have been actually really, really fast. They really have, yeah. Like, the have you seen on the McLaren the uh, the the thing around the top of the halo comes down to the side of yeah. it, like, two little claws either side of it. That, that's quite cool. There's loads of little like fairings and stuff popping up at the car. It's almost like they're going getting back to sort of 2008 yeah. levels of yeah. um, of like appendages. Wings everywhere. Um, yeah, then other people have got like little mm. sawtooth things on top of the halos. In fact, one thing that I yeah, that's the Haas. The yeah, Haas one thing I'd not really considered actually is now that I've got these aero bits on the halo you can't really lean on all parts of the halo in order to get into the car. And Pierre Gasly actually, while trying to figure out how to get into his car without breaking out the aero bits, managed to tear his race suit open on the way into the car. (laughs) Well, um, I feel sorry for whoever has to get out of that Haas while it's in the state that it is, because it's just like, it's sawtooth all the way around the top of the halo. It just looks lethal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they have to give them like an extra There's pair of like f- gardening gloves in the cockpit that can pop on before they get yeah, out of the car. Yeah, can have like chainmail <laughs> outfits on. Is <laughs> <laughs> that for your weight distribution? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Red Bull. Yeah, third fastest Red Bull seemed a bit closer to Mercedes and Ferrari than they have in the last couple of years, um, but still, I would say solidly third. Um, they seem generally happy. Ricardo said it's the best Red Bull he's had in recent years. Um, they're definitely in the best shape that they've been in at the start yeah, definitely. of the season they've, in a long time. They're like ahead of schedule, they say. Yeah, this new approach of them sort of launching the car early and figuring things out rather than being sort of last out of the gate seems to be paying off for them. Um, not a, too much in the way of reliability problems either. Um, they did lose a bit of time with issues here and there. Um the worst thing that happened was when they finally did get running one day and Verstappen almost immediately put it in the gravel so they lost yeah. almost a whole day from that but um, yeah they're definitely looking like they're closer to the sort of Ferrari Mercedes fight at the front I would say and I would hope yeah I would agree with that um, yeah it's very for Red Bull really I think isn't it yeah pretty much yeah uh, next up, second fastest, McLaren. Um, 
they managed to do 174 more laps than testing last year, but they were still bottom of the pile in terms of laps done after a series of issues across the test. There was the the wheel nut failure, there was a exhaust clip failure, various heating issues. At one point, they were running around with burn marks visible on the uh, yep. engine cover because they just didn't have a new engine cover to uh, replace it with. Cooling definitely seems to be an issue for them. Um, sort of hastily cut holes in the engine cover appeared more and more as the test went on. I, I um, saw an interesting opinion on this, which is which was... It was a very optimistic McLaren fan, I must admit, but I sort of see yeah. the point of the optimism, which is, well, what's the point in testing if you're going to go there with a car that just works? The idea is that you need to push these limits and see what doesn't work before you turn up at Melbourne, which I I can see that point where, you know, if that engine's that closed up, causing that many heating issues, they need to work out how much more ventilation they need to give it but still yeah, totally. be um being able to get yeah, yeah. a performance out of it so i can see that i don't think that that's exactly how testing works yeah. but i can see th- yeah i can see the person's no. opinion for optimism yeah i think it's probably better to show up to at testing with a car that works and then you see how far you can push the boundaries once you've done some laps rather than not yeah. be able to do any laps because you've already pushed the boundaries too far or your wheel falls off <laughs> <laughs> or your wheel nut issue causes your wheel to fall off um yeah i mean if that pace they showed on the last day turns out to be genuine then you can buy into that idea a bit more i guess i mean they were looking like being sort of sixth or seventh until that final afternoon when they started putting in some really fast laps on the hypersofts um, they were the most improved uh, more than three and a half seconds quicker than they were in testing last year although I would say that's probably more reflective of the fact they couldn't really do fast laps this time last year than, than being particularly yeah. Yeah. faster this time around not only that, I mean not not forgetting we've got a whole compound of yeah. tyre sort of softer than last year. yeah that's also well. very true and the track has been resurfaced which probably adds about a second yeah. of that as well yeah, um, they're obviously um, saying all the right things publicly, um, all being very positive and stuff. Reading between the lines, it sounds like they've had to make quite a lot of compromises just to get this car running for testing. Um, and I think we can expect an even bigger first race update than you usually see from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks to like early 2000s McLaren when they had an incredibly fast car when it worked. Like after Ed mm, yeah. two titles, a few years after that, they just like finished half the races yeah. or something. But when they did, they were on the podium. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that car's got a very interesting rear suspension. Have you seen that? Yes, fascinating rear suspension, in fact. Yeah, so they've almost, they're trying to sort of create a double diffuser using the wishbones, essentially, from the looks of that. Or, well, they're trying to re- recreate the monkey suit yeah. using the. Uh, using the wishbones and they sort of angle up in a sort of like an upside down u shape or an upside down l shape onto the to the main sort of bod onto the gearbox of the car really really interesting and and, and it means that there's all this space around sort of the coke bottle area of the car where that all that air can flow through and be undisturbed so i think aerodynamically that car is probably going to be one of if not the best yeah. of of the season i think once again they're going to have like an absolute beast of a chassis and maybe it's going to be reliability and 
engine pace that's that's again going to let them down because let's not forget they've gone from the worst engine in formula one to the second worst yeah yeah so it's not yeah it's not the colossal gains but Mm. um but yeah that sort of suspension seems to be an area that everyone's really worked on this year like a lot of teams are raising their suspension mountings up to create that space underneath to try and keep the air going down under there um and a lot of sort of floor work um yeah very interesting aero stuff going on this year uh then top of the pile uh ferrari raikkonen and vettel had the two fastest laps of the test between them raikkonen and slightly faster um second most laps of anyone pretty much nothing of note in the way of reliability problems um just a really solid test all around really um, some people I've seen are speculating from watching their long runs that they may have a bit of a fuel consumption issue, which will be interesting to see if that plays out once the season starts. Ooh, wouldn't be the first time, I don't think, in recent years. It wouldn't, no. <clears throat> um, d- despite being set the fastest time in an unofficial lap record, Raikkonen said he still thinks they've got even more speed out of it. Um, I mean, he would say that, but... Uh, it sets things up nicely for qualifying in Melbourne, I suppose. Um, so both top teams swinging their spanners around. A little bit, yeah. It's going to be, yeah, not like them at all, is it? Um, but I think the biggest thing of note when you watch the Ferrari is how much smoke is coming out the back of it. Um, there's, I don't know if you saw that video, it was a Sky Italia uh, presenter trying to yes. do a report from the pit lane. <laughs> and Vettel drives past and she just disappears in a cloud of yeah. smoke. What? Really? Oh my goodness. We'll have to to send you. It's insane how much smoke is coming out of that back of that car. Um, I've got. In fact, (laughs) there we go. (laughs) I've got it in front of me. Oh my, I've found it. (laughs) So I was going to try and like put together an explanation of what what is happening here. Instead, I'm just going to read what Ted Kravitz said because (laughs) you can always trust Ted. Um, So. All the Ferrari engine cars, so that's the Ferrari, Haas and Sauber, have a letterbox-shaped rectangular vent directly underneath the rain light, um, which is there to accommodate an oil breather. Uh, They've been subject to a new rule which say they must vent to the outside and cannot be routed back into the engine, which suggests that some teams have been doing that previously to gain some sort of power boost. Um... But the Ferrari does seem to be spewing out way more oil than the Renault or Mercedes engine cars. Um, Yeah, it's it's mostly clear when they uh, fire up in the garage and just when they go down the pit lane once they're out on track, it doesn't seem to be quite as abundant. Um, The general consensus seems to be just that the Ferrari engine uses a lot more oil than its rivals. Um, This is different to the oil burning thing we had over the last couple of years, this is just oil that gets consumed. Uh, sorry, this is just engine oil that's uh, spent and pouring out the back of the car, basically. Um, so yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how much it spews out when that car starts on the grid as well. Like if it's sat there for a while on the grid, then suddenly starts, is it going to create a cloud of smoke behind it for the people? <laughs> it's behind like it wacky races. <laughs> which, yeah. yeah, or. Or are Ferrari setting off a smoke <laughs> every time they send the car out of the pit, just out of the garage, from just so no one can take pictures of it? Yeah, exactly. It could be that man. Like the, the lengths mm. these teams go to. Red Bull painted yeah. an exhaust on their <laughs> exactly, car yeah. when they launched it one year. This 
when you when you think they've gone to the length of painting a whole exhaust onto a the car, the thing is as well the, the rear end totally of that plausible. car is something to behold if you look at it in some detail, because they're another team that are, are mastering what is effectively a new double diffuser, but within regulations since it was stopped, um, and yeah. theirs if. It, it's very yeah. technical to go into, but if you can find the articles online that explain the the theory behind the Ferrari rear end and you're interested in that kind of thing, I would highly recommend them because it is a really interesting little development that they've that they've got, which should give them that continued grip. And it works really well because they've now gone to the longer wheelbase. So to to couple the longer wheelbase with that. Um, double diffuser type element at the back they'd hopefully be getting the best of both worlds out of out of that car in theory yeah when you when you look at the top when you when you look at a photo of the car from behind you look at the top the upper elements of the suspension every single mm-hmm. component of that suspension system is very high yeah. up in the car and again it's all allowing all that air to pass through over the bodywork and over the diffuser which is where you get all the power from your aero such from. a big space either side aero. of the uh the rain light and the crash structure yeah yep. even the brake ducts like the yeah downforce generating like everything on everything about that car looks that car looks really quick well, another thing i love about it is the side pods as well how like the air comes in oh at the top, over the top of the body of the car, the air is sucked yeah. into the side pods, not just forwards into it. That's really cool. Um, I think that's a rapid car. Yeah, I think that's going to be gonna... really put. I think it's going to be an absolute ding dong between them and Mercedes this year. You would, yeah. I certainly hope it's going to be a lot closer than it was last year. Hopefully, this season will give us the promise that uh, last year didn't quite deliver on. Yeah. Mm. Well, it did up until Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in conclusion, if you see a Ferrari spewing smoke, it doesn't necessarily mean it's blowing up, basically. <laughs> um, and that's uh, about the gist of it. Um, nothing's mentioned Mercedes engines did a lot more laps than Ferrari, Renault or Honda. But of course, there are an awful lot less Honda engines um, on the grid. Um, obviously, there's only two Honda engines well, two drivers in Honda engines and six Renaults. Yes. Well, four Renaults and two Tag Heuers, but you know. Um, but if you kind of adjust the numbers to uh, accommodate that, um, Honda actually aren't that far behind um, what Mercedes engines managed, and Renault would actually be ahead of what Mercedes managed. So it seems like across the board, just reliability seems to be significantly better now, which you'd hope, given that they, in theory, need to use three engines each for an entire season though yeah oh i don't like this rule no there's really i've already like seen rule. talk of strategic engine penalties being taken throughout the season which is just not what you want really no um yeah it's just, i hate to say it but for me in my own personal opinion it's just not formula one when you have to save <clears throat> your engine not not to that and extent the, I think the amount of power you lose when you get to like these engines are gonna have to do like three or four thousand kilometers you lose power after just a couple of hundred kilometers so yeah. by the time and this is the whole reason they want to they're thinking about taking you know these uh, strategic penalties is because is it better to run a four thousand kilometer well three thousand kilometer old engine with a lot less power than it is to take a penalty and stick a fresh one in the back of it and start from the back of the grid right? <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but that, it's a valid point because it's it's for teams like Mercedes, Ferrari, and and sort of other teams up near the front. It's a case of take a new engine and start somewhere near the back, but ultimately end up in the points or potentially start the race nearer the front with a, an engine that's as old as it is and more than likely DNF because the engine's at the end of its its realistic life. Yeah. You know, you, you've, you've got... you got a, Yeah, fair enough, you've got first corner melee and stuff as, from the back, but the drivers in those cars are smart enough to stay out of trouble nine times out of ten. Well, 90% of the drivers are anyway. Isn't that the same as nine times out of ten? <laughs> uh, it, de- it depends on sort of what, what your context is, doesn't it? I suppose, but anyway, um, not, not known for our maths here. But <laughs> quick, quick maths. Um, <laughs> um, so, would we like to hazard a guess at what we sort of think the order is looking like going into Melbourne? McLaren World Champions, baby! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Optimism, my boy. Maybe if they kept the Honda. Yeah, Toro Rosso champions. Um, <laughs> uh, I I still think Mercedes are going to pinch it. I, I don't think Ferrari are quite as quick as the Mercedes. When you look how bullish Mercedes are, like if nothing else, they don't even need to set a fast lap. Look, listen to them. We don't even need to set a fast lap. We know <laughs> yeah. we're quick. We know we're quick. It's bring the, it on. The only thing that concerns maybe the wrong word, but the only thing that sticks in my mind looking at the the sort of the times compared to the improvements is just that the fact that those three Mercedes engine teams are all grouped at the bottom as, as least improved. Um, yeah. So that that sort of sticks out, which is why I think I'd angle more towards that ding dong battle that Chris is hoping we get this year um, that we lost out on last year between them and Ferrari. Um, but. Honestly, I think if um, I think if they can keep reliability in their favour, both Haas and McLaren may have a chance of like knocking on the door of Red Bull and saying we want a third position here in the constructors. Just looking at I'd the speed maybe, of those two cars. Yeah, I'd maybe even include Renault not far off that as well. I can certainly see Renault jumping, sort of forcing Jim Williams. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think so. They've been up and coming for a couple... What's this third season as Renault, is it? Or second season as Renault? Officially? Yeah. Third, I believe. I think this will be their third, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's finally starting to come to fruition, isn't it, now? Like, you know... Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, I still think... Uh, go on. It's just a shame that for them, I think, specifically, that two customer teams do better with their engines than they do. Like McLaren have obviously chucked it in the back and with this limited testing that they've had, they've managed to go as quick as they have in comparison to Renault. Yeah. And Red Bull generally last season were much better off than Renault as a factory team. So it's the opposite of Ferrari and Mercedes basically. Yeah. It now whether that's because it's maybe in Renault's interest to just be a provider to a, a more high profile team I don't know, they won a lot of titles yeah, maybe. as a team themselves but then again the only time you ever hear Red Bull mentioning their engines is when they want to complain about them true, they even yeah, peeled true. the Renault sticker off and replaced it with a Tag Heuer yeah. one <laughs> so, um, 
I mean, although it very much looks like this is going to be the last Red Bull Renault we ever see. Um, contracts up the end of this year, and I can't see that contract being renewed in all if honesty. That Toro Rosso, well, not if the if yeah. Honda's reliable, then the well, Red I mean, Toro Rosso Honda they... Power of Dreams gives you wings, mobile. <laughs> <laughs> they might not have any choice. Like if Renault don't renew that contract, Mercedes and Ferrari aren't about to Red Bull and then. I can't remember if we've talked about it on on the show yet, but obviously Renault themselves, as the engine manufacturer, are saying to Red Bull that they have to submit their request to use Renault engines by, is it oh I forgot when it is now, is it something like May? Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's May. early season, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're basically putting Red Bull under the pressure of look, we've had a turmoil in the relationship for the last few <laughs> years um, and we're saying to you, you've now got a, a relationship with another engine provider in Honda by the time May comes around and the official deadline for the championship series is here, you need to make your decision because we will not negotiate with you past that deadline, which they're more than welcome to do because that's the rule. So, Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> if if that Honda engine does turn out to be fast and reliable, then that's going to keep Red Bull ahead of Renault in the championship. So Renault don't want to give them the luxury of sitting around to wait and see which is the better exactly. engine. They want to force them into a decision now. Like, yeah, totally don't blame them. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of years for Red Bull, I think. Especially with contracts with their drivers. Well, particularly Ricardo mm. being up. I think end of this year is his contract up? Yes, because yes. Max re-signed, didn't he? Yes. I think he's going to be keeping a very, very close eye on that Toro Rosso yeah. this year. Yeah, there might there may and be times where he well. wishes he was in it <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I mean, if you when you look at it, it to, it looks it looks a faster car, doesn't it? It looks a faster. It does at this moment. Yeah, I honestly thought we'd be seeing Toro Rosso just bottom of the pile after this test, and what we've actually got is far, far from that. With the only yeah. the only concern I would have with the Honda going to the Red Bull long term is we've compared them in the past, but the McLaren and the Red Bull are very similar in the things they like to do aero wise these days with you know the tire mm. packaging. I I'm still fairly certain that's why Red Bull have the issues with the Renaults that they do, and it's the same issues that lo and behold McLaren have suddenly started getting in testing like yeah. overheating yeah, and engines going pop. Um, and you sort of see from Renault the fact that they've always been insistent that it's as much Red Bull's fault as it is their own. And they're given guidelines to Red Bull that Red Bull aren't following. And Red Bull's inconsistency throughout last season would kind of case and point that. And then McLaren having similar issues with a similar package in terms of aero setup. I can't see why um, the Toro Rosso might, you know be able to leapfrog them with a with a good package with the Honda. Yeah. The the Renault is definitely not an engine that likes to be wrapped up, is it? No. I don't think any engine no. is though in fairness. Well no, well, well yeah. true, but like the Honda seems to be more uh capable now. It, it, the the Hondas have better reliability than the, the Renault. Yeah. That's undeniable, yeah. isn't it? Through testing it's been the more reliable engine. Yeah. And yeah. 
like like Chris so, said before, when when you take the figures of you know the number of laps and the distances done by Mercedes cars, Ferrari cars, and Renault cars, when you actually divide those down to the fact that there's only one team using Honda, they they're only sort of fifty laps off Mercedes, who were top. When you divide yeah. it down by a mm. per car basis, so they're not that far off realistically. No. I, I, my honest opinion is McLaren have made an absolutely huge mistake going to Renault. I'm going to throw that out there. I, I, I think I think they should have stuck with them for one more year and give them the chance, give Honda the chance to 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 come up with a good. Then again, they've done that for the last two years. They've given them one more chance. Well, yeah, but I what while they while they may have moved to a potentially worse engine situation. Well worse engine I just still think that relationship was so yeah. fractured that yeah. they had to move on yeah on, on, a, on a sort of professional level then I think you're right yeah but on, a, on a technical level the, the, there's no denying that the Honda's been the more reliable engine yeah I mean the last few years aside like Honda are a very, very, very smart company who build a lot of very incredible things. Mm. And they were always going to figure it out sooner or later. Yeah. It, this, this this makes yeah. it clear, though. They probably figured it out a lot earlier than people realise. And it is it is partly mm. down to the situation they were in with McLaren. You know, they've... But, I mean, we've been jokingly saying for a couple of years now, as soon as they do change engines, the Honda's going to come good because that's the look yeah, Alonso yeah. has. Exactly, exactly. This is the thing. Like, it's just, it's, that's, that's McLaren's look these days. Like, they just can't seem to get the right engine in the back yeah. of the car. Yeah. Since, all since... The, the biggest mistake they ever made was ditching Mercedes engines. They'd been... They'd have carried yeah. on... You know, they might not have been winning... But they'd have been fighting Ferrari at least if they'd if they had the Mercedes engine. I'm that. actually not sure whose decision that From, was. To be honest, I don't remember. Like it was, it was Ron, Ron Dennis, Dennis Ron with Dennis. the impression, ah, of which generally is correct. But the impression that yeah. you will not win um, championships against a manufacturer as their customer, which with the likes of Ferrari, Mercedes, I'd say you're right. Obviously, Renault, you you think otherwise uh, because. Renault have powered Red Bull to championships above their own cars, even though it was branded as Lotus at the time, it was still a Renault in the back, uh, and it was still technically their car, so I think that it depends on the manufacturer, but I can understand part of the philosophy, but they were they were having troubles even back then with the Mercedes, you know, the car wasn't good back then, was it? Yeah, true. Well, back then that this that was the suspension. They, yeah. had, they had a totally different philosophy of car. Like they had super super stiff suspension, and you could see the car porpoising yep. across bumps at times. <laughs> um, it's only since they've had uh, young Pete Promedieu from Red Bull come over that they've sort of gone gone to this sort yeah, of high yeah. rake philosophy and a, a much looser suspension setup and a much clearly much better. I mean, the best chassis on the grid last year. Um, let's just hope for McLaren and Renault that they can find some reliability and find some pace. And well, I mean, they found the pace actually. They found the pace at the end of the race, so they just need the reliability to get them, yeah, into the into the into the top spots. Yeah. Um, right. Anything else F one we want to talk about? Uh, no, I think I've dropped my bombshell of the day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I just want to quickly mention then before we go, you may remember a few weeks ago we talked about the new um, IndyCar Aero Kit um, that they said was designed to make cars be able to follow each other better to facilitate more overtaking um and also just a really good looking car uh that new car has had its first race over the weekend um at st petersburg in florida would you like to guess how many overtaking moves there were in that race oh was it an oval or is it a uh street street circuit circuit. oh um 50 any advance on 50 tom 124 366 wow what on a street circuit the new regulations work it would seem <laughs> wow um it's 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 a sort of big street circuit it's kind of one of these semi street circuits i think yeah, kind streets, of like streets a... in america are like five lanes wide, <laughs> <so>. yeah <laughs> um but yeah it was so in qualifying the top four was made up of three rookies in their first ever race um i won't say any more about the race itself but if you can find some highlights go and watch it because it was incredible it just go and watch the highlights of that race it was something else um but yeah right after this (laughs) just interesting that they saw there was an overtaking problem made some regulations to fix it, <laughs> implemented them, and it's worked. But the, the daft thing is, every series other than F1, I feel, does this. Because can you not remember uh, many moons ago with the Dallara chassis for GP2 as it was still then, they got Kimi Raikkonen in to drive the car around and follow around another car and say, why is it hard to overtake in this car? So Kimi said, X, Y, Z... You know, you're relying too much on your front wing. It's causing it to not be able to follow in in the the dirty air that's coming off the car. Make these changes, and you'll probably get more overtaking. And now in F2 and GP3, we constantly see moves with drivers going side by side into corners that we'd love to see in F1, but we never do. That being said, all of these other series we've talked about are basically spec series. And if true. you made F1 a spec series, would it be F1 anymore? Mm. I think like, there's something you could do within the limit of regulations, though. Yeah, I think so. There's a middle ground, I think. Um, yeah. But I mean, given how much we've just been talking about all the interesting stuff that teams are doing with aerodynamics, like none of you don't get any of that in something like IndyCar or GP2 no. or Formula E. No. no. The, in 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 IndyCar, you have two engines and you have two body kits, and yeah. everyone has the same body kit at the same time as well. And it's yeah. all down to how you tune that body kit and your suspension as to whether or not you can win a race. And how good your yeah. driver is, obviously. So that's not Formula 1, is it? Formula 1 is... No, not at all. No, no, I, I agree with that. I'm just thinking more, like, th- th- I think they need to really look at the fact that other series do things about... Yeah, yeah, for sure. They definitely... They, yeah. they could definitely be much more open to changes in... Like, positive changes in regulation. I think in recent years, they've done all right at changing things about... And, you know, they, they've tried different things, for better or for worse. They tried a new qualifying system, which... Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember about, that. The less, the less said about <laughs> the better. Yeah. You know, I think part of, the, part of the fear of it could be that every time they do make a change... Because... A lot of Formula One fans are very, very passionate and have a lot to say about a lot of things. 
they, there's always an opinion. There's always a big, big opinion from the audience. And sometimes that opinion might not necessarily be the best for the sport, just in the same way that sometimes the opinion of the teams isn't necessarily best for the sport. Formula One is one of the only sports in the world where the teams can dictate the rules of the yeah. sport. Very true. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's another sport in the world where the teams have a say in what the rules are. Certainly not to the extent that F1 teams no. get. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, on that, um, McLaren have started taking up their seat on the yes, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's essentially a small group of sort of uh, representatives of teams that sit down with F one yep. a few times a year. Yeah, the, the, the team is it the Teams Association? Is that it? something? It's, really? No, it's I can't remember what they're called. Recently, it's only been like Mercedes, Ferrari. Maybe Red Bull and Williams, I think, have taken up their seats in there. McLaren have always had a seat um, and not taken it, uh, but yeah. now they're going to be. It's actually going to be one of their um, the Bahraini guys that have got like a massive stake in the team. He's going to be taking mm. up the spot on that. So it's not one of the actual day-to-day running of the team people. Um, but it's still interesting. I think it's again another one of those changes at McLaren in a post-Ron Dennis sort of era. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, there's not really not really anything else to say about that other than no, they no. are sitting in their seat yeah um so the australian grand prix is, is up and coming um and they have a bumper package for anyone going to the australian grand prix this year have you read this i've not read this so they have a total of one two three four i think there's five series altogether racing on the formula one re- weekend nice. so we, and none of them are you don't have gp2 cars or gp3 cars at no, formula not australia <clears throat> so not only have we got the formula one cars but there's going to be the supercar series in australia going around albert park which and if you've ever watched supercars race they're just the best it's the best it's like basically australian touring cars but all with v8s in them yeah it's absolute monsters that they're, they're wheel banging their head to head that the toe to toe wheel to wheel the whole race through you yeah, awesome. no one ever really runs away with it it's it's really good racing and they have pit stops refueling the, the works um they've got the the ferrari challenge trofeo pirelli asia pacific <laughs> which is basically ferraris um there's the porsche wilson security carrera cup australia which is a field of 24 brand new Porsche 911 GT3 Cup race Ooh. cars, which will be... Or if you've ever watched the GT3 Porsches before, they're really, really good fun to watch. Um, and there's also the Australian GT Championship. Can be going around. So, nice. so, you know, a whole bunch of really, really high-spec race seems, series. It seems to be a thing across the board, actually. I've seen, like, um, Silverson this year, they're going to have a... Um, to a historic F1 support races across the weekend as well. It feels like as part of like their making Grand Prix more of a show kind of thing, like adding more support races seems to be uh, like high on their list of things to do, which is which is only a good thing. Yeah, I think it's like, a great idea. I, I can't wait to go to Silverstone and see, you know, the old McLarens going around and the yeah. racket they're going to make as well. Like some of the old Lotuses, if they can get some of those there, yeah. I'd love to see one of the old Lotuses in in the flesh. I can remember watching David Coulthard drive around a 98 McLaren. 
that made some oh, noise. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, that was those are proper screaming cars. Those, those things. The, yeah. the thing is, though, with with those, I, I hope that they let them do some form of racing or at least you know pushing the cars because usually in those scenarios, what you get is. DC comes round and goes really slowly through club and then sticks his foot down down the start finish straight and then kind of cruises yeah. the rest of the lap and it's a bit of a shame yeah. so I'd hope that they'd let him do a little more with them this time yeah. around. I suppose it depends on, on the category of car. If they've got lots yeah. of cars from lots of different eras then you can't really race them but if they've got lots from a particular era like say a whole bunch from like a, a 10 year period through the 60s or whatever or the 70s then there's you know there's a lot more variation in these older drivers as well they're not necessarily uh on the top of their game so it's anyone's anyone's for the win in it really yeah. and to just to see them screaming around the track would be fantastic so if you can get to australia get <laughs> yourself a ticket <laughs> um and if you can't it sounds like you're gonna have something like that at most races going forward hopefully fingers crossed <clears throat> more stuff on track is always welcome um, and I think that'll probably do us for this week, won't it? Yeah, it's been a good good roundup and a good look yeah, ahead. Yeah, so. Um, mm. so we're only a couple of weeks away from Australia now, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we will be back before then to uh, preview the Grand Prix and make our first set of predictions for the year, um, which uh, we will be telling you guys how you can get involved with that at the same time. Um, so hopefully... Everyone who was part of our predictions league last year will come back along with lots of uh, new people. Yeah. Tell your friends. <laughs> um, reminder that we are now available on Spotify. Uh, if that's a place you would like to be able to listen to us, as well as all the other places podcasts are available. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at Back of the Grid F1. On Facebook, just search for Back of the Grid. Uh, we're on Instagram at Back of the Grid. Uh, also, backofthegrid.com is our website, which will be changing soon hopefully the new livery oh, every week you put you <laughs> the new, on the, the spot new, the new livery is um, almost ready for reveal I'm false India in it oh <laughs> goodness you're it's not going to be with some red bull of, I put lots of pictures testing. of pink dolphins I put lots of white all <laughs> over it to dull it down a little bit no. I'm just going to Toro Rosso false India it I might let a sneaky peek go out on track you know Toro yeah. style and then reveal it a week oh, later officially. Yeah, you could do a Red Bull and show something and then just make something completely different that and have well. that as the official thing. You do something great then make something boring to replace it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to find any of us, uh, Tom is at TomKing89 on Twitter. I'm at TNM Chris and Stu is Stu underscore PX. And that will do us. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we will speak to you again in a week, probably. Indeed. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.